This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And welcome back to Brownscast. Um, it has been a while. Uh, I'm your host, Taylor Jedrzak. Uh, we're we're going to, I'm here with uh, Matt Milner. We're here for kind of a debrief. Um, full disclosure, this was supposed to be about two weeks ago. <laughs> a lot of things happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, we were, we, we had it all ready to go. Um, two weeks ago to kind of bridge the gap between the, the championship week and in, in that dead space week before Super Bowl week. And then I got COVID <laughs> and I was out of commission for an entire week. So, and also <laughs> a, another piece of disclosure, it would have been th- three of us tonight, but Gervs got stuck on uh like wife duty. So, you know, Valentine's yeah. day and all that Valentine's day and stuff. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we're, we're, we're finally back. Um, it's been, man, it, the Browns, uh, the Browns playoff game feels like a lifetime ago at this point. I don't know why it's only been about a month. Um, but so much has happened in the NFL since, Uh, obviously there's been a whole multitude of playoff games, none of which I watched, I don't think. Aside from the championship games in the Super Bowl, um, I just to be honest, I was kind of checked out once the Browns were done. I wasn't going to sit there and watch the Ravens and yeah, that, uh, I was kind of the opposite. Where I was like, I was more so hate watching because I I hated that the Browns weren't weren't playing, but at the same time, I was like hoping for some chaos to happen. And fortunately, there wasn't that much chaos. It was just kind of went by the script, as they would say. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I'm glad that um, the kind of playoffs went the way they did uh, in the AFC. Um, I don't particularly have a the vendetta against the Chiefs, um, so that didn't bother me as much. I didn't want to see the Ravens win. I think I probably would have rather seen the Bills in the Super Bowl, but yeah. Um, my wife is a Taylor Swift fan, so that it, it, made, it made the last couple weeks kind of fun. Um, it just get like coming from someone who watched that whole thing unfold. It was fun to see that interest level just in a a story that you probably wouldn't have cared about otherwise. So it it was like, I I got to experience what, what people are going to study now for the entire off season, how much, how much she actually mattered for viewership, but you know, I got to I got to see someone watch football and care because Taylor Swift was there, so it it was fun. Yeah, it was it was definitely like a fun playoffs. It, it, the Taylor effect was definitely felt for sure. I, I made the joke in the Discord where like I think you sent a picture of your w- wife watching like uh, their podcast, and I'm like. I joked, uh, the British have the Royals, America has the Kelseys and Taylor Swift. That's practically what is, what's been going on. 
Yeah, for the last for the last two or three months, that's kind of what it's been. Uh, an entire new demographic of people have been watching the <laughs> the uh, Kelsey Brothers podcast, and entire new demographic of people are watching the watching football games because of it. And it, it was kind of fun to experience it firsthand. But um, I think I think we should probably get into the main reason we're here. There's Browns football to talk about somehow, some way, but there is. <laughs> we have we have had enough time to kind of digest everything. Um, I don't think either of us were super like angry, emotional after the playoff game. I think it sucked, but like it it felt kind of expected in a way because it like they went on such a magical run from like late November to December. That we we spent of, we spent two months waiting for the other shoe to drop. And unfortunately, it was the first game on Wild Card Weekend, like yes. practically where everybody just like chewed us out, chew, chewed us, spit us out, and for, forgot about it within two weeks. It was practically that. Yeah, um, it, it was kind of nice that by the end of that first weekend, we were no longer the story. Um, the Cowboys getting punked, and the was, Eagles getting punked. That was even more funny to me because, like, at least they those two had expectations of winning the Super Bowl, like, they, and they got humiliated. Yeah, we we no longer had those expectations anymore after, uh, after all the injuries. I think we just kind of wanted to see them go as far as they could. I think we probably we we expected more out of the playoff game than we got, um, but. You know that's football. Sometimes I'm sure. I'm sure the uh, the Cowboys expected more out of that game than they got too. So yeah, it is what it is. That's why Wild Card Weekend is such a fun weekend to begin with. Yeah, I mean it's it sucks in the moment, um, but I think you know as we've kind of had the had the time to let the season marinate a little bit, and you know we've watched all these moves happen. You you've seen the Browns be a competent franchise in a, in, in a, I mean, they, it's not like they haven't been, but they've been making those like competent moves in real time that most franchises have taken, like most fan bases have taken for granted. I think in real time, the fan base was kind of grappling with it while understanding like, yeah, these guys know what they're doing, but at the same time, we're always nervous because that's just who we are. As yeah. Fans. Yeah. And I think there's an element of, like we're watching how we were deprived of a real functioning franchise for so long that when we see the, some, some of the moves that they made in the immediate aftermath of the loss, you think, Oh my God, another dysfunctional off season is happening. But like, this is how things, this is how real franchises operate. If you want to change something, sometimes you have to bring more different people in and you you have to get rid of a coach. Yeah, and sometimes the coaches outgrow the situation, like with Bill Callahan, where e- even though they maybe didn't prefer to let him go, but understandably so, he wanted to follow his son to Tennessee and they probably were thinking in the back of their mind, he might have been preventing us from doing what we need to do with this offense. So that's kind of like 
him outgrowing or the franchise outgrowing a coach like with what happened with the running backs coach and a couple other key coaches on the staff that they've switched out over the past couple months. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't particularly think that like Alex Van Pelt or Bill Callahan were going to be the reason that the Browns are going to be able to fix it next season and get to the AFC title game. But like, Sometimes you have to, like, teams have to evolve in this league. Uh, team that just lost the Super Bowl in overtime fired their coach three days later, fired their defensive coordinator three days later. Like, no one's going to question whether or not the 49ers are a dysfunctional franchise. They're going to question, you know, why why are we scapegoating Steve Wilkes? But that, that seems like to be that seems like it's a thing with Steve Wilkes though. It's like same thing happened with the Panthers, same thing happened with the Cardinals. It, he's just been that type of coach. But yeah, it's unfortunate, really, very unfortunate. But <laughs> and, but it's like, renting more than he's buying. It, it, it. But the the 49ers are still the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl next year in like all sports books. No one like them firing the coach isn't going to change anything. Um. The Browns are trying to evolve as a team and they realize that, you know, maybe having all the same philosophies that they've had the past four years in the building aren't going to do that. So they, they had to make the tough decision to kind of clean out the offensive staff a little bit. Like, I think they probably would have preferred to keep Bill Callahan. I don't think he was ever on the chopping block. Um, they just weren't going to hold him hostage if his son, who became a head coach, wanted to hire his father that would be a real dick move oh yeah like i and i think the browns have established a lot of good relationships in the league they don't want to just cause a hostile situation over nothing so yeah they just that that they would not they would ill afford to do that to somebody that they respect that that much in the building yeah it's just not worth it um it's not worth the trouble that it would cause you you're able to bring in another offensive coach line coach that you have faith in he's not going to be Bill Callahan, but no one is Bill Callahan. So, and there's enough respectable offensive line coaches in the league that you can not feel like you're missing, missing out on letting Bill Callahan go. So like you shouldn't have to worry about it. Browns fans like it, you can, re- you can replace something, even if it feels like it, you're, it's impossible. Like sure. you like, that's just kind of my attitude with it. Yeah, it's not like it's not like Bill Callahan is like this so so integral piece that he can't be I mean, you're not going to replace him, but you're also not going to fret so much that like there there were people in the media uh that treated this like it was the worst thing that could happen. Like Tony Grossi, question mark. Uh, Yeah, like, sure, it's bad, but like, but it's not that bad. It's not, it's not. It is what it is. It's part of the business. These guys don't stay forever. It's just, it, like, it just is what it is. And with, like, the O-line is a veteran group, so it's not like they're going to, all of a sudden forget how to block the bl- block for their quarterback or 
try to open up a hole for Nick Chubb next year. These guys know what they're doing for the most part. Yeah. The work that he was able to do is done. Like you, like the development of Wyatt Teller was, is pretty much solidified. Most of your offense. Now, would you have liked to have, have him coach Dewan Jones for another year? Sure. But like, Dewan Jones is going to still keep what he learned. Like, yeah, it's not like he's just going to all of a sudden forget what he taught him within a year. And it, yeah, well, it, it's not like, it's not like, could you imagine if like hypothetically, if this was Ravens land, when Lamar Jackson requested a trade last year, that, that is a franchise altering thing. Yeah, that, that is truly a franchise-altering thing because... Losing your offensive been, line coach is not that. Oh, no. Like, we're talking quarterback, offensive line, they are way different on the Venn diagram. They're not even in the same Venn diagram, to, honestly. No, not even close. But, I mean, it's a loss. It's not a huge loss. Um, I think... I will be the first to admit I was a bit surprised when the offensive coordinator selection was Ken Dorsey. Um, I don't think I haven't, I haven't read a whole lot into the Buffalo stuff. Um, it feels like uh, McDermott might've just needed someone to blame there. Uh, it's not like that offense had been bad. It, it, it did not start the year great, but it had been so good the past few years that, you you feel like he w- should have gotten more benefit of the doubt than he did. Yeah, it 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 was definitely a weird situation because you're right. The offense was fine. It wasn't like a disaster. It was starting to slowly improve, and then it just felt like after what happened with the Broncos game, it felt like they wanted to blame somebody because they were on such a bad like in a bad place at, at that point of the season. They were just like Ken Dorsey. Sorry, man, you gotta go. We we got no, uh, we don't really have anybody else, but you got go. <laughs> like that was just the vibe. Yeah. Because- yeah. I mean, it was. I think a lot like Steve Wilkes. They needed they, someone needed a pound of flesh, and it ended up being Ken Dorsey. Uh, the unfortunate part for that argument is that Ken Dorsey, when he left, the offense did get better. Um, <laughs> Some of that might get better because uh, because they didn't change the playbook all that much. I would think they probably tweaked some things, but I imagine they were going to improve. They were they were starting to improve, and then they were and then they got better. So were they just going to keep improving with Ken Dorsey, or was that already going to get to that destination anyway? So that's just where the whole thing gets murky, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It's just um, some of it was Josh Allen stopped turning the ball over so much. <laughs> he, had true. A, he had a real <laughs> issue in the first part of the season, uh, and it, it got better as the season went on, as it has pretty much his entire career, uh, the, or the last few years anyway. Uh, early in his career, he didn't fix that as the season went on. But um, I don't know. I, I'll I'm I'm eager to see what they're gonna do with it. Um, we won't fully know until uh, we see what they kind of do at the receiver position. Uh, obviously, I 
we're we're gonna delve into free agency a lot more um, in about a month. Yeah, <laughs> when all that goes down, um, there we we don't even know who's gonna be fully available yet at this point. So there's no sense in arguing that one to death. No, every every Browns fan at this moment in time is just making their like their wish list. And it's always the big names. It's T Higgins. It's been Mike Evans. If he even wants to leave Tampa Bay, because, but he seems like he's going to be a lifer there. So I, I doubt that, but yeah, it's just, it's just wish list time at, at, at this part of the year. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're theory crafting. Um, <laughs> I, I do think that they'll, I mean, we have no reason to not trust Andrew Barry at this point. <laughs> they'll figure it out. They'll, and they seem like they're going to get contract extensions, so you're going to have to trust them for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, on one hand, this is the last year of not having a first-round pick. Uh, after this year, we'll go back to being able to have mock drafts that actually mean something, <laughs> which, which to be honest, I've kind of missed. Um <laughs> It was kind of getting boring the for through March and April whenever whenever those mock drafts would come up because I'd be like I don't care I have to wait until like the next day after like on Saturday or Sunday to really care yeah I don't even have the Panthers to look at this year they they kind of pissed that one away <laughs> <laughs> so so like the draft is the first night of the draft for me this year is like. Nothing, nothing that nothing that's going to happen matters to me at all. So, yeah, honestly, uh, I might just I might just go to bed. I might not even worry about it. <laughs> yeah, but um, obviously, the, the, they have a second round pick this year, um, which is nice. I think last year they didn't. I th- yeah, I think it was a, a third round pick last year. So we ha- we waited a while for that one. Yeah, um, but. You know that they'll they've been they've been doing well in the draft the last couple of years, so I I have no reason to expect anything less. Um, I think I think just the further we've gotten away from the season, the more you you're able to appreciate what happened. Um, the the big picture kind of comes into focus as you're able to look at the whole picture. Uh, the big picture of this season being it really felt like the franchise took, and we talked about this plenty of times through the course of the season, but it really did feel like the franchise took that step towards being legitimate and respected and showing resiliency and like all of these things that all the good teams all do winning games. You shouldn't beating good teams, clinching the playoffs a week before the end of the season so that you can rest guys. Like, these are all hallmarks of a good team. Had the Browns had their full complement of players going into the playoffs, it could have been a lot different. Yeah, like, it, it, it tore away all of the cliches of the Browns because, like, in B- Browns' past, <laughs> essentially, if there, if there was, like, a, a chasm of injuries like what happened last year. Most teams would have folded and they would have turned into five and six win teams. But this one 
shed that narrative through like the culture that they've cultivated through the last couple of years. And honestly, this year to, to be specific, and they've just became what they've always tried to build. Like Kevin and AB have been building this meticulously ever since they got here. And sure, they had their bumpy years with 21 and 22, but they were still they were still positive like things to look into those seasons to think they could put it together kind of like this. Of course, it wasn't how they thought it would be with all these injuries, but they still thought we can be a playoff team and they achieved that. And yeah, 11 and six is nothing to like, nothing to scoff at. I think the, the easiest way to kind of describe it is the Browns finally after 20 almost, well, I mean, you could say it happened a few years ago, but like they finally joined the AFC North as a tough team that doesn't die. Yeah. Like that, like that is honestly how I could describe it too. Cause for a while it just felt like they existed. Yeah. Yeah. Non-existent, just kind of like the pushover. Everybody just expected us to be their easy win of the week or yada, yada, yada. But this was like the, the first time I felt like, damn, we, we play like the Steelers. We play physical. We, we can, we can beat up teams if we want to. Like we can, we can hang with the Ravens' physicality. We can still dominate the Bengals. We can out Steeler the Steelers if we need to. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we've seen with how that style translates. Like it, like I think the AFC North had a winning record throughout most of the regular season against opponents outside of the AFC North. So like it, it translated in the in the division and outside of the division. That's kind of what they've been trying to get to since they've gotten here. Like now, tough- now, does it suck that the AFC North went one and three in the playoffs? Yes. <laughs> Uh, because it kind of kills that whole vibe that they had throughout the season. Um, now, do I want? Did I want the Steelers to win? No, but I would have liked to see the Browns win and the Ravens got one win. But they just—I think the Steelers were never meant to be there. The Browns had their their injury demons catch up to them, and the Ravens, to be honest, did what they've done the last four years in the playoffs. <laughs> They turned in a clunker when they couldn't do. They couldn't afford to turn in a clunker. Yeah, they, especially against a Chiefs team that was very vulnerable. Like if you would have talked to most people, they would have thought the Ravens could beat them. Oh, for sure. They, the way they played all year, they could definitely beat them. But for whatever reason, they just they they clench up. They just don't. They, they don't play they, smart. They held the Chiefs scoreless in the second half, and they couldn't win. Unbelievable. <laughs> Just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's what gets you the narratives that the Ravens have that they can't they can't do it. 
that Lamar can't do it. And I, and I am not an anti Lamar guy. Like I think he's a good player, but he hasn't shown anyone that he can do it in the playoffs. All he's the only guy he's beaten Ryan Tannehill and CJ Stroud in the playoffs. And Ryan yeah, Tannehill like, is Ryan Tannehill. CJ Stroud is at least CJ Stroud's a, a rookie. Yeah. Not exactly a sterling. Uh, yeah. Not exactly a sterling, sterling record there. No, no. Like you, it, for for someone that has won two MVPs, you'd like to see more out of them. Yeah, it's kind of like not not us. Obviously, we want to see the Ravens fail. But <laughs> oh, of course. It, I, I was trying to think of a an ex, like I was thinking it's kind of like early years Peyton Manning where he was start won all those MVPs, but nobody thought he was good in the playoffs until he like knocked off that narrative uh, at winning the Super Bowl against the Bears. Like it, it's kind of like early years. Peyton Manning, where it's like great regular season quarterback, but he can't do anything in the playoffs. That's kind of what Lamar is right now. Yeah. And it'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see how that changes as he loses athleticism. I mean, he's obviously never going to fully lose his athleticism, become a completely pocket passer, but like as he, you, you got to feel like this, this was his time to get it done mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. Yeah. Just... And now next year you're going to have a healthy Browns team. Hopefully that you split the season with, you're going to have a healthy Bengals team again, Steelers or, the, or whatever. Um, They're the cockroach that never die. So, you know, they'll be yeah. there. And as a division, we have a tougher schedule next year. We play the AFC West and the NFC East. And we like, get a second-place schedule. Well, no. The, uh, like the, the division as a whole plays the AFC East and the AFC West and the NFC East. So oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not going to have the pushovers of the AFC South and the NFC West. Granted, the NFC West wasn't as big a pushover as we maybe thought going into the year. But um, – I think I think most people thought the Rams were going to fall off, and then they simply didn't. So that's true. Yeah, they they, they were kind of mid the year before, so everybody kind of thought eh, they'll be mid or just worse. So they they outperformed that expectation for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I don't think there's. I mean, uh, we were talking about it. I forget where I was talking about it in a different Discord the other day. Uh, how the Browns, um, there, there's some early odds, make futures odds that have the Browns behind the Jaguars, Vikings, and Bears for Super Bowl odds for next season. And I was like, this team just, won, this team just won 11 games with the corpse of an offense. And they are behind the Vikings and Bears. And the Vic- neither of those two teams know who their quarterback is yeah. as of right now. They don't know if they're going to get Kirk Cousins back, and the Bears don't even know who if they're going to keep Justin Fields or not. Like, yeah. It, so, yeah, that, I don't get that at all. The only the only argument I could see for odds makers in that one is the NFC is still really bad. <laughs> that's true. Like, miraculous turnarounds have happened before. So, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, but. like the the fact that the Browns still. Like the AFC is not getting any weaker next year. None of the teams that were 
good this year are going to fall off, I would think. Like, Hell, the Chiefs could get better, which is the scary. Chiefs are, the Chiefs are going to get better. This is supposed to be their down year. The Chargers should get better. They have a coach that knows what football is now. Um, <laughs> Captain Khakis himself. Fuck the Broncos, uh, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, the Dolphins are still good. The Jets should be better. They're going to have an actual quarterback again. Um, Patriots are going to be just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Bills will still be good. Everyone in division is still going to be good. The Texans are going to be good. The Jaguars are going to be good. The Titans are going to suck. The Colts are going to be good. Like the a- yeah, the AFC. If, we, if you go through the AFC, there's only three teams that you can outright say they're going to be bad. Yeah, and that's the Broncos. The um, no, the, the Broncos. The Broncos could be okay. The Raiders, the Patriots, and the Titans. That's true. Yeah, the, the, those three for sure will be really bad. Like just because they're they're all rebuilding teams. They're, they're, they're yeah, just... it's amazing that like no one in the AFC is rebuilding right now. <laughs> like usually, usually you have kind of like a half and half split, or there's five or six teams that are re- that are trying to rebuild or stuck in purgatory. Mm-hmm. No, the entire a- like the AFC is one to twelve in a phone booth. <laughs> yeah, and the, outside of three teams in the NF and the the power balance like is so crazy too because the NFC is like taking up all that like really bad and and is and the AFC is like has that sliver right all, now. All of the quarterbacks in the AFC, save yeah. for a handful. It, it's kind of incredible how that's kind of worked itself out over the, over the last few years that all of the either up and coming or already proven quarterbacks are in the AFC. It's incredible. Honestly, the Browns finally get good and the entire conference is also good. (laughs) And nobody can figure out how to beat the chiefs. (laughs) That's also a problem too. No. And and honestly, that's only going to get worse because now, I mean, their, their defense was super young this year. Uh, they're obviously not going to make the same mistakes with their skill positions again. <laughs> but they know. But they at least know Patrick Mahomes can bail them out any t- any time that, that he can. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean you have the you have the quarterback cheat code there. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how this all shakes out. Um, we, we've we've said for the last few years that the Chargers are going to fix it, and then they just don't. Um, I will be watching with intrigue and the slightest touch of hater energy on how the Bengals handle the free agency period. Yeah, because uh, this is the first time the bill comes due for them. Yeah, they're 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 starting to get out of the rookie contracts. You're going to have to start to make real tough decisions. Um, I saw a tweet today that like, yeah, sure, you could run it back with Burrow and Chase and T Higgins again, but when they went to the Super Bowl, those three guys were worth like $21 million. If, That's Trump change. If, yeah. Higgins, if Higgins signs the, the franchise tag and, and Chase signs his extension, which he should, they're going to be worth like north of $60 million. And that really skews how, like, that, that skews how you can build a team. And 
like the the franchise itself is at a crossroads of are we actually going to spend money? Yeah, that's always a question with them because even before the Joe Burrow extension, that was always like, could they keep this thing going for however long? Because like they, uh, Mike Brown is like he's a legacy owner. Like that whole family is a whole the light a legacy. So like the and those usually don't have the biggest like backings in terms of like money. So that that's always a concern with the Bengals is like, can they pay, pay up when the bills do? So like, yeah. Um, I mean, if they do it, sure. Whatever. I mean, that's what an NFL team should do, but like if they don't do it, they're only going to reinforce the stereotype and like you're closing your own window. If you don't spend money for sure. And I, I and the think the Browns they, are spending more money than anyone in the league. Like their their cash their cash spent number is higher than anyone in the league over the last three years. The the Haslam's have paid out like eight hundred something million dollars in player of contracts in the last three seasons. That that's just yeah, that's insane. The Bengals, <laughs> I think the Bengals are down at like five hundred. Yeah, that, that it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do because, like, I'll, if things don't break their way, they could ease this thing could easily fall apart on them, and it's basically the Joe Burrow show. And I don't think the Bengals are capable of just having Joe Burrow lead the lead them out of the darkness, practically. Yeah, and there's nothing there's nothing saying that he can't. I mean, he's still going to have Jamar Chase. They'd be stupid not to make that happen. But you know, they they have decisions to make and. They could make they could make those decisions fine and come back and be just as good. And they're still going to have Joe Burrow, and as long as he can stay healthy, they'll be a good team. I'm not going to be I'm not going to pick them to finish last. I think the Steelers oh, no. will finish last. But like the other three teams in the division, it basically comes down to who stays the healthiest. It's been that way for the last three seasons. The Bengals stayed the healthiest for the two seasons before that. They wouldn't win the division if Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt. Yeah, and the, the Ravens would have a, had a hell of a lot more interesting a time down the stretch if the Bengals didn't completely fall off the map and the Browns weren't beat to hell on offense. Yeah, this, that, that's true. Because like, if, if Lamar's healthy and their roster's healthy, they're going to run away to the division. That's just kind of how it's been. And usually when, like, it's usually, you're right, the healthiest team usually will come up, come up on top because that's just how the division operates is we beat each other up, and because of how physical we are, it takes a toll. And so it, we usually pay the price one way or the other. Yeah, the fact that the, the, uh, the Browns this year, I think at least twice, had back-to-back division games, that, that's tough in this division. <laughs> like, you started the season against the Bengals, you went right to Pittsburgh. Middle of the season, you go to Baltimore, and then you come home and play Pittsburgh. Like, not fun if you're just pl- not fun games to play or watch. No, no, because these teams know each other, and as they've as these teams have started respecting the Browns, you see the edge come out. Like both teams have that violent edge when they play each other now, because the Browns will bring it to you, so the other team's got to bring it back. The only team that hasn't brought it back to the Browns consistently is the Bengals. 
Yeah, then they're more of a finesse team in, in terms of like throwing the ball. They don't really run it that much, and they kind of they're just not as physical. But that hasn't really deterred them from no, being it, a successful it, team. No, it, they were they were what like eight and they would have been what eight and one or two eight and two out of division this year yeah and they just got the their heads kicked in in the division <laughs> like, yeah they, they i don't yeah they were like winless at one point outside of their final game <laughs> they, they were winless going into the week 18 game against the browns yeah oh yeah that's true had we not handed them that game they could have gone winless in division this year yeah, that is, that is true. We did hand them that game. Jeff Dr- Jeff Driscoll, eat your heart out. You you gave them their Super Bowl. <laughs> you tried, my guy. You tried. <laughs> but th- this all just kind of comes back to the fact that the Browns showed that they are a team that needs to be respected like a functioning football team now. As much as... Bengals and Steelers fans. I I don't see much stuff from Ravens fans. I, I guess I just don't know enough of them. Yeah, but, the Ravens fans are kind of more quiet. Out, uh, maybe it's the maybe that's that, that little bit of like the fan base at understanding. Like, hey, let's not bug them because we kind of took their team and all, all that stuff. Yeah, I don't think they care that much about that. But I, I just uh, maybe my timeline is just filled with more Bengals and Steelers stuff, and you still see the people who. You know, Browns are the Browns. They they're gonna fall apart like they always do, and this year they didn't. And it's on them to keep it going next year. Uh, they have a tough schedule, but a lot of their tough games are at home. They get the Chiefs at home. They get the Cowboys mm-hmm. at home. They get the Dolphins at home. Like those are all gonna be really good games if the if the if the team is you know playing well enough to pack the stadium out those are all going to be just raucous games oh yeah like it, definitely marquee games for sure we i wouldn't be surprised if we got some national t more national tv games than we did this the last year i think they probably probably will get some national tv games it's just it's a matter of uh earning like i think they've earned them now now you have to go out and deserve them for sure cuz just like anything, like back in 2019, they could easily take it away from you if they they if you look like a like a full on embarrassment. <laughs> like, yeah. they're not they're not idiots. They understand what they're watching as much as we do. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I think we'll have a lot more to discuss as we go on through the off season. Um, maybe going to bring in some new voices to talk about draft as we go. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna break down free agency as that gets closer, and we get a better picture of you know maybe what the Browns are targeting and who's gonna be out there. And mm-hmm. uh, we're still about a month away from that even starting, so we got some time. Um, but you know, I think I don't think there's anything to really dread this off season. I think for the most part, the Browns are gonna bring back a very similar team. Um to what they had this year, uh, the hope is that they stay healthy. And, I mean, that's everyone's hope throughout the entire NFL. Like, you you just hope your team stays healthy enough to compete. And uh, 
Yeah, this was a year especially where a lot of teams got really injured. So you kind of hope like the injury luck goes sways back in your direction, so, especially for the Browns. Yeah, yeah, like the the injury injury variance needs to needs to get back on their side next season. I, I don't know what that's going to mean in terms of. I, I think they probably would have made the move already if you were. Um, going to change out strength and conditioning coaches. But, um, you know, I think they'll, they'll be happy to run it back with what they got and they're going to work some cap magic and turn it, turn what people think is a horrible situation to $30 million in cap space. And they're going to sign a few guys. Yeah. Like that, that is the one thing AB is done a good job is creating cap space out of nothing. When you think you they are just about to hit that wall, they find creative ways to make make room. So like that's at least one comforting thing in this offseason. They'll find a way to make it work. Yeah. Okay. Well I think I think that's a kind of a good place to leave off. Um we're obviously not going to be doing weekly pods going forward here. We're gonna we're gonna, if something major happens, we'll come back. Uh, but until then, I think we're gonna we're gonna come back for the ma- for the uh, for the major events for the high holidays of the off season. Um, yeah, we'll maybe come back if they figure out if it's Brook Park or the lakefront. Maybe we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a topic that's beyond our pay grade. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll- Maybe we would have to get the guys from that blog that keeps leaking stuff that's ahead of the Cleveland.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we'll be around. We'll, uh, we'll try to get some guests in that know, know more about the draft than I do. And then Matt does. <laughs> not my forte. Yeah. Full disclosure, we're not draft guys. But we know people that know the draft. So we, we'll definitely have people to talk, talk about it with. <laughs> we, we know a guy. <laughs> it's <laughs> yep that's for sure but um but until then uh i think i think we can get one more one more go browns out of this season go browns hello and welcome to novel conversations a podcast about the world's greatest stories I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.